When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 438 of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. And before we get to what we're talking about today, just a quick holy moly congratulations hooray party. I noticed this morning that this podcast, thanks to all of you, has been downloaded over 5 million times. Yes, that's right. 5 million downloads. Holy moly, here's to five million more. On today's show, we're discussing three things that our children truly need. Now, I want to paint a picture for all of you. In the community and the location in which I live, and I know this is not representative of every community in America, in the world. However, in the community in which I hail from, days look something like this. So, The children, they go to school for a full day, they come home, they throw the backpacks off, they eat a quick snack, or perhaps they're eating that quick snack in the backseat on the go as the parent carts them to their extracurriculars, their activities, their enrichment. And there's so many enrichment opportunities, aren't there? Perhaps there are multiple extracurriculars in the same afternoon, one after the other, Maybe the parent driving to the activities gives a quick shout into the back seat, how was your day? And the kids give back their obligatory answer, good. And then after the activities, it's dinner time, which for so many families is a rushed and staggered affair. Some members eat at one time, others eat later. Perhaps people are eating dinner on the go, standing up, and then it's off to that rushed bedtime, only to do it again the next day. And so I want you to keep that picture of the average American family's afternoon in your mind, table it, so to speak, and let's talk for a minute about the immense external pressures that are on us parents. Being a parent comes with an awful lot of pressure to do right by our children, right? And the problem is that there's a lot of confusion about what's right versus what isn't so right. The media and influencers are pushing the idea that we need certain and often expensive gadgets, things, toys to improve our children's lives and fast track them into optimal development. By the way, did you know that globally we are spending $80 billion on toys each and every year? That 
tells me that the toy companies, they're doing a really great job of taking advantage of our natural desire to want the best for our children. But anyway, I digress. This show is not about toys. But yes, companies do capitalize on our parenting stress and guilt by selling us things, of course, but also experiences in the form of enrichment opportunities that are supposedly good for our kids. But here's the reality. Here's the truth. For the most part, the stuff that's being sold to us likely has very little, if any, positive impact on our child's development. But the stress that it puts on us, the financial stress, the scheduling stress is high. I also want to talk to in this introduction, it's a long introduction, so sit back, relax, put your feet up. If you hate a long introduction, I apologize. But I also need to say that The parental peers' stress is strong, right? Where I live, the parents, my peers, my friends, they're investing heavily in the latest extracurriculars and the special classes and the programs. And so it's natural for all of us to look around and see what all the other parents are doing and compare and try and measure up. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we failing? Where I live, the latest thing is Russian math. I'm not really sure I know what Russian math is. I don't know what makes it Russian, but I do know that parents are signing their children up for Russian math classes in droves. It's basically, I think, extra math practice after school, in addition to the math practice they're already getting. And so I've, I'll be honest, I've thought myself many times, oh no. If all the children except mine are enrolled in Russian math, then when it comes time for them to do math in school, is mine 10-year-old, almost 10-year-old, going to be left behind? I need to get my child enrolled in Russian math and stat because I don't want them to be the kid who needs extra help in math. Russian math it is. Now, let me just say my children are not involved in Russian math. They're not signed up. I'm sure Russian math is lovely. I'm just using it as an example. And I'm using that as an example to convey the fact that it's no surprise that we parents are quite confused. And for the new parents listening, maybe you have a baby, a toddler, maybe even a preschooler, and you think, oh, it'll get better. I don't know if it does. We parents, we puzzle over anything and everything from which snack is best for our toddler all the way up to which school is best for our teenager and everything in between. But here's the truth. What our kids need from us on a basic, fundamental level is so much more straightforward than our complicated 2024 culture wants us to believe. And so let's get back to that scene that we started the show out with today of that average American family that lives near me. I want to make a bold proclamation right here and now and say That that average afternoon in which somebody, likely a parent, is carting the kids off to all the extracurriculars and all the enrichment and all the sports, I'm saying right here and now that that average afternoon is not giving our children what they really and truly need, which is us, our attention, our unconditional love, and it's not giving them the unstructured time that they need. It's also not giving them the physical nutrients they need to develop into their full potential. And yes, I know there are parents listening saying, oh, wait a minute. 
extracurriculars are important and so are educational toys. Absolutely. Both are super important. But neither of those things, the extracurriculars or the toys, neither of those things are the most important. And so if we're spending the lion's share of our time and mental space thinking about acquiring those educational toys and thinking about getting those workbooks and getting them signed up for those coding classes and extra Russian math classes and academy sports teams and all the other extracurriculars and enrichment opportunities that are sold to us, we may very likely be forgetting about the fundamentals. And if we're forgetting about the fundamentals, then we as parents are missing the mark. And so here and now, let's put our money away. Let's put our wallets back where they belong. Let's stop investing in the latest toy or the newest extracurricular. Let's start giving them what they really need. And so today we're outlining three of them. This is not an exhaustive list. It is, however, in my view, three of the essentials. And none of the three needs we're talking about today are new or revolutionary. I'm not going to blow your mind today. However, what makes this episode different and special is that we're taking these three age-old and timeless needs and we're marrying them with updated and recent research into child development. So we've always known these three things are important, and today I'm now explaining them through the lens of science into how and why exactly they're important. And can I say tier two? This is a really long introduction. It's like 10 minutes long. Let's just keep it up. If you're not a parent, maybe you're an aunt, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you're a godparent, maybe you have a best friend who has children. If that, if any of that sounds like you, you're not off the hook. I am of the mindset that there are far too many scaries in the world today. And so it's on every single one of us listening, whether we are a biological parent to a child or not, it's on every single one of us to be positive influences in the lives of the children who are in our spheres. I must say, as a child, I had a faux parent. It wasn't even a family member. It was my mother's best friend. And boy, oh boy, was she amazing. She enriched my childhood truly and fully. So let's all step up. Let's step into our roles of light and goodness for the children in our lives as we get into need number one, which, of course, is that our children need a safe and secure base from which to explore the world. I know you're all like freaking out. What does that mean? A safe and secure base? Well, let's simplify it. Yeah. What I'm saying there is that your child needs you, all of you, not all the time, but when they need you, they need to be able to get all of you. And this is for all ages, not just babies and toddlers. I know we parents like to think that once our children get some independence, we're off the hook. But no, that assumption is not supported by research into child development. Children of all ages need our unconditional love. Yes, but what's the best and most impactful way to show that unconditional love? It's by giving them our attention, our positive attention, I should say, because there is such a thing as negative attention, and we'll get there in a minute. But positive attention is as simple as being present, being all in, and responding to your child with warmth 
and with interest. We live in a world full of distractions, don't we? And so our attention then becomes a priceless gift. It's a need. Research finds over and over again that one of the most important things for child development, for optimal child development, is having secure and stable relationships with their caregivers. So if you're constantly showing up for your child and being present with them, putting your phone away when you're together, pat yourself on the back right now because you are doing one of the best things for your child's healthy development. Now, positive attention helps our children feel secure and valued. Research finds that it is super important as our children's self-esteem and self-efficacy take shape. Research also finds, and this is no surprise, but I have to say it, research finds that over time, it's important to give your child more positive attention than negative attention. So positive attention is... Of course, positive. Negative is giving your child attention for things that they've done wrong or behaviors you'd like to see changed, ragging on them, perhaps. If you can give your child positive attention most of the time, so more often, your child will have a strong sense of being secure and loved. That's where that secure base from which to explore the world really comes into play. So make listening to your child a priority. That will help them feel understood for who they really are and whatever they're going through. Our children, they won't always be logical. Their emotions may not always make sense, but our willingness to sit with them and hear them out really matters. Research also finds that when we are attuned to our children, so when we're fully present, when we fully hear, when we empathize, All those actions on our part as parents helps build the architecture of our child's brain towards resilience. How cool is that? So we want a resilient kid. We don't want a kid who just gives up at the first sign of stress or struggle. How can we help foster resilience and grit? We stay attuned to their needs, their words, their fears, all of it. Research also finds, and I find this so interesting, that delighting in our kids is really darn important when it comes to child development. So what is delighting in our child? It essentially means just having a kind and curious attitude toward our children. And it happens naturally when our kids make us laugh. It happens when we find ourselves enjoying their quirks. It happens when we appreciate our child's unique way of expressing themselves. Delighting in our child is different from building up our kids. It's different from offering exaggerated praise. It's about allowing ourselves to authentically enjoy them so that they can feel it for themselves. I love this recent research into delighting in our kids and what it does, not just for us. I mean, parenting should be a joyful and enjoyable task, right? We always rag on being a parent. Oh, it's so hard. It's so tiring. It's so this, it's so that. But lean into those moments of feeling delight from your child because it's not just good for you and the relationship. It's good for your child's development. And so what's your homework here? for this first one. Need number one, let's remind ourselves: what does our child need? It's not the extracurricular. It's not the toy. Your child needs 
you. So what's the homework for you on this one? Your homework is to find one new way to connect with your child one-on-one. Now, let it be child-led. Child-led, so you don't choose it. Let the child choose the way to interact with you. And as you're interacting with your child and giving them all of you, it goes without saying, put your phone away, put it in the other room. If you need to finish something on your tech, tell your child you need one more minute, and then you'll be able to give them your undivided attention. I'll say, you know, my work is done at home. I work from home and I work on a computer. So I'm plugged in a lot. But I am working on shutting my computer, so shutting it, shutting the screen, (laughs) closing it when my daughters need me so that they have all of me, not 80% of me, 100% of me. So find one new way to connect with your child one-on-one that is child-led. My youngest daughter, Lada, she loves to play school. She likes to be the teacher and teach, essentially. It's not my favorite game in the world to sit on the floor and be the student as she's the teacher. I'll be honest. It's not my favorite game on the planet, but it's her favorite game on the planet. And so that's why we play it over and over again. Need number one, your children need you, your attention, your delight, your unconditional love. So that's number one. Let's move on. What is child need number two? It's not revolutionary, but it bears repeating because it is so lost in 2024. Our children need unstructured playtime. For past generations, play was child-led and open-ended. You know this to be true. You probably have an adult Someone older than you in your life saying, when I was your age, we played outside in the woods until it was dark. That's what I'm talking about here. For many kids today, that's not the way play works. Play has morphed into an adult-directed and highly structured activity. This transition, this morphing of play has significant impacts on the development, the physical, the cognitive, the social, the emotional development of our children. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that if some company could somehow bottle up unstructured playtime, put a fancy sticker on it (laughs) and sell it, they would have a world-changing product because unstructured playtime is just that powerful. It's just that important. And we often think that only young kids need unstructured playtime, but that's not true. Children of all ages benefit to having some holes in their schedule. And so I'm talking to you parents who have enrolled your older child in every single extracurricular you can imagine. If that sounds like you, I'd love it if you considered asking yourself, Is there enough time in my child's schedule for them to play in an unstructured manner? And I know, I hear it all the time, that unstructured time often leads to chaos in the home. I hear that. Nobody likes chaos. I've got plenty of it. However, remind yourself that if you don't fully benefit from having a jam-packed schedule, Your child likely doesn't benefit either. We all need white space in our calendars. Children 
especially young children, they don't have the ability to verbalize their need for white space, do they? And so it's on us parents to preemptively give it to them. I know the desire to sign our kids up for all the things. It's strong, especially when we see other parents signing their kids up for all the things. (laughs) I personally, I must say, I find myself wondering whether my children are doing enough extracurriculars. Am I holding them back? I'm not kidding you when I say that my 10-year-old's friends, not all of them, but definitely the majority of them, have extracurriculars every single day after school. And of course, also on the weekends, too. And so my 10-year-old, she has activities just two times a week. She signed up for two extracurriculars. And so I'm still working, and I'll probably always be working on not comparing my parenting choices, essentially, to my peers' parenting choices. And it's hard. It's super hard. But I do know that when my children do fewer activities, We, the four of us, my family of four, is able to have dinner as a family sitting around the table talking about our days, our lives, giving my child my attention like we just talked about. We get to do that almost every night. And so we'll talk about the dinner table next. But it is my observation, and I could be totally wrong, but it is my observation that most of the moms and dads that I know are signing their children up for all the things Not just soccer, but team soccer. Not just soccer in the fall and spring, but also skill building in the winter and camp in the summer and goalkeeping training on the weekends. All of that, it's because the parents have visions of the child excelling, in this case soccer, but in whatever it may be. We want our kids to rise to the top of the pack. Of course, that's natural. And we think that the way to help them rise to the top of the pack is to give them every opportunity under the sun. I, however, urge all parents listening to stop for a hot minute and ask yourself, ready? Get ready. Ask yourself this question. What is your child losing, or rather, what is your child missing out on when their schedule is booked solid? Childhood is not a time for resume building. It's not. Childhood is not a time for resume building. Now, when we think about unstructured playtime in 2024, many of our minds go to the playground, doesn't it? Let's bring our child to the playground. So unstructured. Well, hold up for a minute. Dr. Howard Chudikoff, he's a professor of urban studies at Brown. He found that unstructured play has changed greatly over the decades. It has changed in place, in things, and in time. These are societal changes that have changed play. The place changes, that's a shift from the informal natural play, playing in the woods until dark, to contrived human-made playgrounds. Playthings have shifted from the outdoors to improvised structures. And not just play structures, but also educational toys come into play. Electronic toys come into play here too. And so what does research say? Well, of course, the decline in unstructured time for children has been found to be bad for learning because children need playtime to develop those motor and social skills. And now listen up, parents who are concerned about your child's mental, and specifically emotional well-being, some research does find that 
a decline in play and independence could be one reason that children and teenagers have reported skyrocketing levels of anxiety and depression and sadness in recent years. So let that sit with you for a moment. Now, I know there are a variety of societal factors that are coming into play that limit opportunities for unstructured play in America. Fear is a big one. A study I read found that there was a 25% drop in children's unstructured playtime between the years of 1981 and 1997, and that was stoked by a series of highly publicized, lots of media attention into a couple cases of kidnappings. And so I understand that. Nobody wants our child kidnapped. Uh, We're fearful. Interesting quick little story here. When my oldest daughter was eight, so maybe a year and a half ago, Um, She was playing at a friend's house and she was walking home. It was raining. The friend lives, I don't know, six houses down. We live in a neighborhood. Um, She was walking home. Maybe she was also then going to go play in the yard. I don't really remember. But she was outside unattended with a parent, eight years old. I look outside and I see in the rain, I see the chief of police for my town. So we live in a small town and I kind of (laughs) know... The chief of police. (laughs) I see the chief of police standing on my lawn, and he is talking to an Amazon driver. So a driver who is employed by Amazon driving around the Amazon branded trucks. I'm wondering to myself, what is going on here? (laughs) So I open my door and I say, hello. Uh, It turns out what ended up happening was the Amazon driver saw my child, my daughter, outside unattended without a parent and called the police. It just so happened that the chief of police was the one to answer this call. My child was not in danger. She was just outside without an adult at eight years old. Uh, I did not get in trouble. I did not get a slap on the wrist. I did not get arrested. However, I tell this story because I feel like it completely exemplifies the point I'm trying to make. Kids are not given time to be independent outside with unstructured time anymore, are they? And it's time that that changes. And maybe me telling you that story is going to make you not let your child outside unattended because you don't want somebody to call the cops on you. I understand that. But I say that to say, you know, there's fear and then there's extra over-the-top, unnecessary, unneeded fear. The line is different for every single one of us, but I urge you to consider finding your line. Your homework today with regard to need number two, which is, of course, that unstructured white space in schedules, my homework for you is, and especially if you're a family that's really scheduled, sign up for one less extracurricular, just one, just one less. Recent research does suggest that children should experience twice as much unstructured time as they do structured play time. So one less extracurricular. And if you really want some extra credit, you want some bang for your buck, give your children unstructured playtime outside. And that's not on a playground, outside in nature. Kids need to get outside. They need to run and jump and explore and climb and play. And unfortunately, time outside to do all of that and more is becoming alarmingly infrequent. Sign them up for one less extracurricular and in place, give them unstructured playtime outside. 
So we're going to move on to child need number three, but we're going to do it after our sponsor break. So I'll see you in a minute. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back on today's show. We're discussing three things that our children actually really do and truly need. Perhaps they're getting lost in 2024's hyper-focused, over-scheduled emphasis on extracurriculars and educational gadgets. Before the break, we discussed the fact that, number one, our children need us, our unconditional love, and our undivided attention. And number two, our children also need unstructured white space in their lives. Now we're moving on to need number three. Our children need healthy-ish foods, healthy-ish meals, not ultra-processed snacks on the go. And I really wanted to touch on this need today because if we're going to spend our money on our children, which we are, let's be real, it should not be spent, in my humble opinion, on the latest and greatest toy or extracurricular, frankly. In my humble opinion, if money allows, I believe we should be spending that money on nutritious food. And I'm going to make the case for you today. I'm going to lay down my argument. The reason is because food plays a big part in optimal child development. Keyword optimal. We are fed the idea. Ooh, good pun, Stephanie. Pun on the fly. We're fed the idea that all foods are created equal. Food is food. Well, that's not really true. (laughs) And food businesses have popped up 
to capitalize on our collective busyness. I'm thinking granola bars. I'm thinking highly processed foods in individual snack packs. And so, yes, as parents, we want to believe that as long as our kids are getting enough food, they're growing. But don't we want them to grow optimally? If the answer is yes, then what we give them really does matter. Now, I'm not saying make from scratch, organic, non-GMO, homemade meals three times a day, seven times a week. I know that's likely inaccessible (laughs) due to time and financial constraints for many of us. I am, however, saying we need to be focusing on giving our children generally balanced meals. And I wonder if in 2024, generally balanced meals is getting lost. If they're getting a variety of food groups most of the time, your child is likely getting many of the nutrients they need for optimal development. However, I do want to make the case that adequate nutrition is essential for brain development and function. Micronutrients like iron, zinc, choline, iodine, B12, and fatty acids, they have been identified to be particularly relevant to cognitive development. So let's talk once more about our children rising to the top of the pack, right? We don't want our child to be left behind. We want them to be at the top of the pack. If that's the case, and if that's the reason why we're signing them up for all the extracurriculars, we also need then, because if we want them to rise to the top of the pack, we also then need to be focusing on the food that we're serving them, right? Because certain micronutrients, the ones I just mentioned, have been identified as being particularly relevant to cognitive development. Now let's talk about gut health. Fiber is super important for gut health. Fiber also seems to regulate blood sugar. When our blood sugar is regulated, our children may experience better moods and better attention span. So if we want our children to rise to the top of the academic pack, it would behoove us to focus on giving them that fiber, which has been shown to improve attention spans. If we want them to be academically advanced, (laughs) they need to pay attention to what's happening in school. Research finds that children perform better on tests of attention and memory two hours after having a high-fiber breakfast. That's compared, of course, to a high-sugar and low-fiber breakfast. Now, some fermented foods like yogurt, like sourdough bread, promote that healthy microbiome. That's, uh, by the way, if you don't know what a microbiome is, it's the name given to the billions of little microorganisms that are living in your gut. Gut health is all the rage right now. Lots of research being done into gut health. Uh, If you're feeding, again, a great pun, if you're feeding your microbiome the good stuff, uh, you may, again, be contributing to that good mood, that general well-being in ways that are not yet fully understood by science. Now, there's also the flip side of this, right? When our kitchens, when our pantries, when our diaper bags, when our pocketbooks are stocked with highly processed foods, the granola bars, the chips, the snack packs of goldfish, and more, 
There's the additives problem, and we have covered the additives problem on this show before. I'll link to the episode in this week's show notes. But additives are those additions that are made in a laboratory and put in the food and put in our child's food to make the food taste better, look prettier, look brighter, last on your pantry shelf longer. And certain additives are correlated with negative health effects. About 60% of the foods Americans eat these days are processed, and diet-related illnesses are the leading cause of mortality in the USA. So let's break this down. What on earth am I saying? I speak for all parents when I say that we want our children to reach their full potential, their full intellectual potential, their physical potential, their um, social-emotional potential, and more. Simultaneous to all of that, we want our children to not get sick with, God forbid, some chronic health issue. So the answer to making both of those things happen at once, and of course, nothing in life is a sure thing. There's no guarantees in life, of course. But the answer to both of those things, our children reaching their full potential and them not getting chronically ill, the answer to both those things may indeed start with their diet. Now, some statistics, according to the CDC. Between 2001 and 2010, consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages among children and adolescents decreased. However, these sugar-sweetened beverages still account for 10% of a child's total caloric intake. So decreased, yes, but still 10% of their total daily calories not so great. Between 2003 and 2010, total fruit intake among children and adolescents did increase, so that's good news. However, here's the bad news. Most children and adolescents, they still do not eat enough fruits and vegetables to meet recommendations. And finally, Empty calories from added sugars and solid fats contribute to 40% of daily calories for children and adolescents ages 2 to 18. Now, I've done episodes before on picky eaters, getting them to eat more, to eat better. Um, I'll link to that show in the show notes because there's a lot in it. And for the parents of picky eaters, I just don't have the time and space in today's episode to do this topic justice. So I'll link to some shows in the past if this sounds like you. However, your homework today is to number one, remember that kids eat healthier when their parents also eat healthier. So make eating a family affair whenever you can. Eat as a family around a dinner table whenever it is possible. I know parents work and I know it may very likely not be possible every day or perhaps even most days. But when it's possible to eat around the table as a family, make it happen. As children get older, studies do suggest that families who eat together at mealtimes tend to have higher quality diets with more fruits and vegetables and less fast food and sugary beverages. Now, related to this is to serve everyone the same meal at mealtimes. I hear it all the time that, oh, my kid only eats pasta with butter and strawberries. That's it. That's all they eat. So that's what they get. Sometimes chicken nuggets. I, I hear this all the time. If you can, 
Serve everyone the same food at mealtime. Don't make separate meals for the picky eaters. If your child is still turning up their nose at certain items, don't worry. Know that it may take, it will take several times, several opportunities before the child tries it. I've heard it said that a child needs to be introduced to a food anywhere between eight and 30 times that food must be presented. 30 times, everybody. So no more one and done. No more putting that blackberry on their plate and then they say they don't like it and oh, they don't like blackberries. No, no, no. (laughs) Have you given that blackberry or that Brussels sprout or that, I don't know, arugula leaf? Have you presented that item 30 times? If the answer is no, then keep on trying. So my final word for you today is that the needs that we talked about today, again, not an exhaustive list, but our attention and our love, uh, unstructured time, and healthy-ish meals, those three needs may very likely be getting lost in 2024's always-on-the-go, race-to-the-top-of-the-pack life. And so I hope that this episode for all of you maybe put some stuff in perspective, brought us back down and around to the fundamentals. It's us that they need. It's mealtimes as a family. It's a bit of white space in the family's calendar. And so we do have an eco tip today. It comes from Amber. Amber listened to Tuesday's episode on food waste. And in her community, she lives in New Jersey, she has food pantries around town. And so one way that she reduces food waste in her house is if she has something that's been sitting in her pantry for several months, she knows she's not going to eat it. She drops it off at the food pantry so that anyone who needs it can come and pick it up. This goes for, yes, the pantry staples, but also packets of soy sauce and packets of ketchup and more that she picks up from restaurants or gets packed into her to-go bags. Amber also said that she has a local Facebook group that's dedicated to helping with food waste. I love this idea. In this group, in Amber's group, anybody can post any food whether it's expired or opened, on the page and someone will always come and pick it up when Amber posts it. If there is not a Facebook group like this in your area, Amber suggests creating one. It's not that much work. And she says that she has 1,000 people in her community's local page. So great tips, Amber. I love it. I love using the internet in advantageous and earth-friendly ways like that. So thank you so much. Listeners, we'll be back tomorrow for headlines. I'll see you then. If you loved this episode, I would love it if you told me. (laughs) You can leave this show a review. You can send me an email. I will get back to you on that as well. And thank you so much. I really thrive on positive praise positive attention, as we said in today's episode. So if you like it, let me know. If you hated it, you can tell me that too. It will help me as I plan future episodes. Here's to 5 million more downloads. I'll see you tomorrow and take care. 
$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 